<laughs> I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Okay. Um, so I guess I guess we just start whenever and then we just cut it out. <clears throat> all right. Don't worry. This is all going in. This is all going in. I okay. think it'll be funny that way. Well, anyway, well, so so this is our what? Our second? Second. Do we count? Yeah. Okay, wait. Are we going to count the pilot going forward? We can count it as episode zero. Okay, so this is episode two. So for our four or five viewers and listeners at home, welcome. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. That's me. <laughs> um, so we have a guest today. Woo! Clappy claps. Woo! Um, or not. Oh. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, we have a guest. So today we have Kathleen. I think all you five and six viewers are familiar with her, but Kathleen, do you want to give an introduction to yourself? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Kathleen Zaragoza. Um, and I go to UBC um, with Joseph. <laughs> We're in the same <laughs> program. Um, do I just talk about my relationship with you guys? Just, Is that how know. this works? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I well, didn't talk my... Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, wait. Um, let's go with the school stuff first. So I go to UBC. I'm in my fifth year. I'm about to graduate. Um, I'm also in cogniz cognitive systems, but um, I specialize in language and linguistics. So um, yeah, that's the least popular stream, fun fact. Woo, repping the underdog. But um, I also, me too, me too. Soft spot in my heart. But um, I also minor in applied music technology. So um, I'm just generally interested in and a big fan of language and music and culture and all of those intersections. So yeah, that's what I study. Um, it's funny being in this podcast with Joseph and Lance because I've known Joseph for like almost my whole life, but I kind of just met Lance, yep. even though we know yeah. of each other for yeah. um, a few years now. So yeah, happy to be on here. Happy to be the first guest. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was gonna yeah. say, I was gonna say uh, uh, like why we picked Kathleen and there's a bit of a story where we really had like a roulette going on. And, uh, we did. We did. I'm here by chance. You weren't even on the roulette, I think. Oh. We were just like, no, yeah, that's right. You weren't. Yeah. You weren't on the yeah, roulette. We never considered you at all. <laughs> Whoa. No, but I think, oh, it all happened. So we we both listed like two names that we thought we could have as like or two people that we could have as guests on the podcast, um, and then we rolled and rolled and we weren't satisfied with any of them. <laughs> yeah. And then Joseph was like, "How about we just have Kathleen join?" And we're like, "Okay, yeah, let's just have Kathleen join." <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah. Oh. And then for the for for those who don't know, Kathleen's cousin is, is I was about to say Christopher Lance. This Lance oh is yeah. So, do one of you guys want to want to open up about that real quick? Uh, I probably can. <laughs> sure. I probably yeah. can. Yeah. I so I met Irene. <clears throat> Shout out Irene. I know you're gonna listen to this because you asked me. <laughs> um, yeah. So I met Irene about a year ago when I had knocked on her research lab's door and was asking to be like a research assistant or if they had any opportunities. Um, and then she gave me a brief interview and then walked me through the process of actually being an RA for the lab. 
uh, fast forward till now, um, I currently have her job and she's moved on to grad school. Um, and she's like been one of the biggest mentors, I think, um, the past couple of years or year, I guess. Um, and she's incredibly dedicated, incredibly smart. Uh, so I read if you're listening to this. Hi. <laughs> yeah. And I guess my side of that is that um, three years ago, my family went to um, a reunion in Las Vegas um, for, it was essentially like my dad's, um, my dad's grandmother, I think, my dad's maternal grandmother. That was the reunion. So it was super extended family for me, which meant that I was meeting a lot of um, my dad's cousins and therefore my second cousins. And um, it turns out that Irene or Ate, <laughs> I'm not gonna call <laughs> out your family name, but um, yeah, Ate is one of my second cousins that I recently <laughs> met. So <laughs> small world. Super, super small. Yeah. small sometimes it was yeah. it was so like, weird i was just telling um kathleen about this earlier but the way that irene had actually asked me if i knew about kathleen was like super super weird um because i had told irene that i came from vancouver um and she told me that she had family in vancouver and she asked me if i might know some of her relatives and i said sure you know just like any typical filipino we think we're related to each other or something like that um but in all honesty, I was just pretty much just joking. <laughs> like, I didn't actually think that I would know someone that was related to her. Um, and then she said, uh, do you know, like, the Zaragozas? And I was like, uh? <laughs> Kathleen? <laughs> um, and from that point on, we just, like, bonded over that a little bit. Uh, uh, Kathleen, I'm sure you know about this. I would hope that you do. Um, mm -hmm. Because Irene and I did bond over the fact that we know of each other <laughs> yeah. and so it was like super funny for the past like couple of months even up, even up until now yeah nice um story but yeah yeah so i guess we just dive into why I mean, you're yeah. actually here Kathleen. yeah i mean <laughs> i i like the point you made where i mean it, i don't know it kind of provides a transition but you, you said how filipinos like kind of just pretend that we all know each other right hmm. yeah um, and Kathleen, you did some interesting research on Filipino culture. On oh, Filipino culture. Yeah and, yeah, and language. And yeah, so I guess I think that's the main the main course here today. So uh, I have your paper written up here right now. Heritage language usage in Philippine X. Philippine X? Philippine X. Philippine X. Canadian children of immigrants. Wow. 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 That's great because I'm still pulling my own paper up. So thank you for having the title on you. time for Yeah, then Lance, you wrote some questions. So maybe we should just dive straightly into that. Into yeah. one of them, maybe at least. Yeah, I, I guess. Kathleen, do you want to introduce why you first started to think about writing this kind of paper or like even looking at this kind of research? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's essentially, I'm going to repeat my own title just for my own <laughs> like clarity, but um, yeah, heritage language usage in Philippinex Canadian children of immigrants. So like just breaking that down, um, it's essentially how Philippinex Canadians like us in our generation who were either born in Canada 
or move to Canada at a very early age, how they're learning Tagalog, Filipino, other Philippine languages, um, and kind of how that happens when we're not actually in the Philippines and don't have so much of a tie in the Philippines. And I think my main reason and like my main motivating factor for that was kind of just growing up in my household because, um, well, I have a brother who's like five, six years older than me and they actually immigrated right before I was born. So um, in our immediate family, I was the only one born here. Um, my brother moved here when he was four or five and um, yeah, just growing up, it was just noticing the differences between how we spoke, how we interacted, and especially how we were learning Filipino and Tagalog and all of the languages that are spoken in our house. Um, because I guess today, or like up until he um, moved out of our house, he wasn't speaking Filipino and Tagalog, but then I was really inclined to learn a lot. So I ended up just like showing a lot more fluency because I would be speaking to my parents, um, just our relatives in Tagalog as much as, as I could. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was kind of just stemmed from like, what is the difference between my brother and me and why? It's a very <laughs> like selfish motivation, but then like, I guess like outside of that, I grew up in a very, very Filipino um, community. Um, Wait, and then very- <laughs> Shout out to St. Pat's. <laughs> I live across the street and I have my whole life. So um, like that literal proximity, um, I've always noticed in my life. It's kind of hard to not notice. Um, and yeah, just like knowing a lot of fellow Filipino Canadians in my fam and all my friend groups and everything like that. Just noticing the difference there as well. Yeah, I think that's super cool. I uh, To the point that you made like, I feel like learning a language, especially like Tagalog in our case, is like almost like a step up in learning about our culture, right? I think having been in a, in a household that is super, super um, engaged in, in culture, I think that learning a language is just another step up from that. Um, I guess like, yeah, like, do you think that uh, being immersed in the culture, like, for example, like, you know, being introduced to the foods of the culture, being introduced to the traditions of a culture. That's like, I wouldn't even say like lower tier um, in terms of like getting to know the culture, but like, that's like the bare minimum, I, can, I think. And then learning about our language and then how we communicate with each other, that's just another step up. Like, do you think that that's also what kind of motivated you to write about this in a way? Yeah, I think I would say that. I think um, like the aspects that you were just bringing up like the food and like the traditions and everything like that. I wouldn't say they're um, like a basic or lower tier. I think I would actually consider them as like the gateways into the yeah. culture. I think that's um, like the best way to phrase it in my opinion, just because um, mm -hmm. like you don't need to be putting as much effort into like eating, you know, and like right. enjoying food and mm -hmm. kind of just like observing the culture. Um, but yeah, once you get step into aspects like language, then that's a more like conscious effort on your part, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, that's definitely, I think because you're choosing to put that effort into it. Um, and I mean, like there's, there's something to say about like, if it's already around you and like you're already exposed to the languages, then there isn't as much 
relative effort but then like if you're actually trying to step up and learn the language so that you can use it yourself to interact with other people then yeah mm -hmm. that's definitely um the next step into um immersing yourself into the culture yeah 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 i think that's super cool i i haven't been invested in like actually learning about language um i think i understand it but i can't speak it why well, say that's it normal. i can't speak it that's yeah normal. Yeah, I was, about, I was about to ask you, Lance, like, how, how, how fluent are you in Tagalog? I, so I can understand it, and I can sort of understand, like, both my mom and my dad's dialects, too. Um, so my Which mom is from, they? my mom's from Cebu, and then my dad is from uh, Pampanga, I think. Yeah, no, I know for a fact he's from there. Um, I can sort of understand a little bit of each of their dialects, uh, but when they communicated with me, at least growing up, like it was always through like Tagalog. Um, yeah, wait, Joe, do you want to share your oh, family? Yeah, no, I was just, okay. So one reason I was interested was because like, I, I'm, I'm with the same, um, like I can understand it relatively okay. Like 80% of the time I know what they're saying, but like speaking it myself is like, <laughs> no, I get laughed at, which is something that Kathy and I actually wrote about in her paper a little bit where it's like people get kind of teased for not speaking it right because it seems that filipinos don't really take themselves too seriously a lot of the time so they probably mm -hmm. yeah i remember I, I like skimmed over that just now um what was i saying again? your experiences with <laughs> yeah okay yeah so so I, I i can't speak it but um interestingly like my brother could speak it a lot more fluently than me and I was just thinking now, like, what were the differences? Because I think my parents also spoke to me in Tagalog as a kid, but I didn't pick it up. So I'm wondering if my brother, I, I haven't, like, I don't actually know, but I don't know if my brother actually, like, tried to learn it or if he just learned it through, like, exposure to it. And if that's the case, then why didn't I do it? Like, why didn't I learn through exposure? So I don't know. That was just something on my mind. But yeah. I have a couple of thoughts, but I don't want to get carried away with it. Oh no! I, um, <laughs> yes, I. Uh, I guess I guess we can just go back to like uh, focusing on like the paper. I think one thing that I really wanted to ask Kathleen, um, and I think a lot of us struggle with this term, especially if we're not familiar with it or haven't been introduced to it. But can you explain um, when it's appropriate to use the term Filipinex? Um, I was talking about this with like Jackie, one of our other like mutual friends. Shout out to Jackie. Shout oh out God. to Jackie. Shout, Jackie. Out, to Shout out to everyone. Jackie. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Jackie's next. Which um, is another funny story of how we all know each other. But yeah, that's a tangent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, can you can you I guess explain the term and when it's appropriate to use the term Filipinex? Um, yeah. For sure. Um, I think I should preface by saying that this is a really hot debate topic. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, like it's pretty controversial from what I've seen. Um, if anyone is ever on Filipino Twitter, like they're talking about this once every few months at this point, it just keeps coming up. Um, it's essentially like there's kind of a stance between people in the diaspora, specifically people in like Western societies and then people who are actually in the Philippines. Um, and like what the term is Filipinex, and I think it has derived from um, Latinx, like um, because they have the terms Latino and Latina, 
and those are um, Spanish and therefore gendered terms. So um, kind of inspired by that, um, it, Philippinex was created by LGBTQ, wow, I cannot speak, LGBTQ plus communities. Um, and it's, it's generally for people who don't identify with the terms Filipino or Filipina. And um, it's supposed to hold space for um, specifically trans and non-binary folks who trace their roots back to the Philippines. So um, yeah, it's generally a term that was created for these folks. Um, and it was also um, as a way of decolonizing because obviously if we're gonna look at um, Filipino, if you, like the terms Filipino and Filipina, they look gendered and they, they are structured in that way because Filipino and Philippine languages and everything in the Philippines in general is pretty, um, it's pretty influenced by colonization from the Spanish. So mm -hmm. yeah, but the people in the Philippines are, um, they have a lot of bones to pick with this because they're like, Filipino as a language is already gender neutral um, and they basically saying that Filipinex is very like Western centric, like, oh, you're just trying to be quirky. Like, why are you trying to do that? Like you're only distancing yourself from the actual culture that you're trying to get close to. So um, yeah, there's a lot of contention there, but mm -hmm. um, I'm using it specifically in this paper. And I did make an, an acknowledgement in it in the very beginning, like I prefaced on the terminology being like, hey, I know that this is like a debate. I know this is a thing, but I want to do this um, not only for myself, but just like for academia um, to hold space for the people it holds space for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it it's also just like a general, like I think of it and in my personal use of it, um, I usually use Filipinex and Filipino interchangeably because I kind of just see the X as like a placeholder for the O and the A as you see fit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so oh. like if you're still identifying as Filipino or Filipina, like you can use that as well. So do you use, um, do you find yourself using the, t okay, so you said it's, you said interchangeably. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself like saying Philippine X and then like, like, do you, de depending on who you're t addressing, do you use a different term or do you just like seem to randomly interchange between them? I think I use it when I don't know who I'm speaking to. You know, just like if I don't, yeah. Just mm -hmm. kind of as a rule of thumb, it's the kind of the same way that I try to use they and them mm -hmm. um, if I don't know anyone. So yeah, it's kind of the same thought there. Yeah. Yeah, I when I was reading through your paper, at least like the very beginning, when you make that um, sort of statement there that like you're reserving that right for those people who uh, want to be called like Filipinx or need to be called Filipinx. I think that's I think one thing is like being aware of it and also acknowledging it is another thing. And I think you did that in this case, in this paper, um, where you reserve that right for those people to say and to be called like what they want to be called. Um, so, yeah, I think that was super, super good. I haven't seen that in many academic papers, to be honest with you. So really good that you were able to do that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So as I was reading through your paper, uh, you sort of had mentioned uh, four benefits of maintaining 
like someone's heritage language. Um, you mentioned better preservation of cultural identity, better communication with older generations, better economic opportunities in the future. Um, and finally, learning and maintaining one's heritage language allows for better construction of one's self-identity. Now, the one question that I wanted to ask you is which one of these have you seen uh, as the most important, most noticeable in your own personal life? Mm. Okay, I really had to sit on this one last night because in a lot of ways, I think they all kind of overlap. Mm -hmm. um, like all four of those um, benefits that I guess I pulled out there. Um, but if I did have to choose one, I think it, a lot of it would stem from, um, I guess, the second reason, which was like communicating with older generations. Because I think, um, yeah, at the end of it all, I think that was what motivated me the most to learn the language. Um, it wasn't so much for me to um, find myself, quote unquote. It was more so just like a practical way of like, how can I better communicate with my family? Because um, yeah, I don't know, being in a Filipino household with an older brother, like it gets loud. There's arguing sometimes. And like sometimes as the younger kid, you kind of want to be the peacemaker and be like, okay, how do you make this better? Oh, true. Oh, <laughs> right? relatable. Yeah. And like my... I guess my solution to that was being like, okay, if they can't, like, if they can't find solutions and like find a way to agree and be on the same page, then maybe they need to be speaking the same language. Mm. That was kind of like my end all, or kind of like my solution, I guess, that I figured out when I was 12. <laughs> so that's kind of when I started consciously learning. Um, and around that time, I was. I guess we got TFC at home. That was a big thing. Also, my Lola was living with us or like she'd lived with us for um, most of my childhood, most of my upbringing. So um, yeah, like we had Lola in the house and she was always speaking in like Tagalog or um, in the family's dialect. And um, again, like being so close to St. Pat's and being so involved in the church and with the community mm -hmm. there, um, being exposed to a lot of titos and titas and Lolas and Lolas <laughs> because of that. It was also just like an extra push for me to be like, okay, I can practice Tagalog there once I feel like I'm a bit more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of those things, it was kind of just like, because I wanted to communicate with all these people and because I wanted to um, kind of be like in a peacemaker setting, I guess, that's what stemmed my um, conscious learning of Tagalog and Filipino. And then through that, it has helped me realize a lot of self-identity as being Filipina in Canada and also just like preserving that as I like mm -hmm. go into the Philippines and everything like that. Yeah, I, that's like super interesting. I, I, you made me think back to when I was a kid and growing up and like being with my like Lola's, my grandma's and my grandpa's. And um, I, I call them grandma and grandpa because I, I, that's just how I grew up with them. But um them like watching like Wawa we and then me being able to like listen to like what they were speaking um and then just like chiming in on conversations although I was like speaking in English like I could still like understand what they were saying to me so yeah bring back all those memories right now that's that's exactly what you're doing um I think when you had mentioned that you made that decision in when you were 12 I believe is what you said mm -hmm. um 
to start to immerse yourself more into learning the language. Um, it seems like it was like more of a, a conscious decision that you made for yourself um, and in which like you were able to like engage in like the culture more. Um, just making that conscious decision to learn Tagalog, it seems like that, that's what you made for yourself. That's the kind of thing that you made for yourself. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, um, I think I'm able to make that like unconscious to conscious switch because um, I do remember having experiences with the language before making that switch. And I guess mm -hmm. what I mean by that is like, when I was interacting with the Galog or the languages um, in my household, I think this brings up the fact that like I grew up singing a lot, um, especially in the church and like through church events, like <laughs> Joseph's laughing because <laughs> he knows. <laughs> um, but I you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was singing like from the womb, <laughs> essentially. And like, yeah, they would make me sing at a lot of events and eventually um, they would start getting me to learn Tagalog songs. So mm. like my first um, memories of using and I guess singing in Tagalog were like old, old church songs, like Tangin Yaman, like that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that note yeah. of realization, you're like, oh yes, it's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I was, I didn't know what I was saying. I kind of just like was memorizing them and like memorizing mm. the sounds in my mouth, but then I didn't know what I what it meant. Like I would content. try to ask, yeah, like I would try to ask my mom, like, what what do these what words did mean? I just say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like it was kind of like that for me learning songs so young in general. I was probably mm -hmm. like six, right? So like I didn't actually know what I was singing. Like you got a girl singing like Celine Dion, "Power of Love," <laughs> you know? <laughs> like she doesn't right. know what she's saying, but um. Yeah, to some degree, it was an extension of that, being like, I don't mm -hmm. know what I'm singing, and now it's in a different language, and I still don't know what I'm singing. So that was my interaction. It was kind of just like, okay, I'm going through the motions, but I don't actually know what I'm doing. But then mm -hmm. to make that conscious switch eventually was being like, okay, now I need to like <laughs> commit and actually learn what they mean so that I can use it myself. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever even like, conceptualize that when I was a kid like I never really understood why people our age would understand or speak that language at so young of an age um but having grown up now it's I kind of regret it <laughs> like I kind of regret not being able to like speak it um or speak Tagalog I mean uh it is what it is. My time has passed. I'm just kidding. It's not. I make <laughs> that point in the paper, Lance. Yeah, I know. I, I think I saw that too. Like, um, I cut. Well, okay, that's that's a whole different thing. But I'll get into that later. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask was, um, so you brought up how, um, sorry, uh, you're drinking tea, so I don't know if I should continue. But <laughs> no, okay. you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> so one thing I want to ask is, um, you brought up how your main motivation was to. Uh, communicate with like your parents and other older generations mm -hmm. um so one, well, one question was like so that was what i believe one of your main findings as well like you found when you interviewed um all your participants you found that that was a really common theme um through them um so what other kind of things did you okay i guess a little preface for all the viewers like so essentially and you can correct me anytime but essentially what kathleen did was she um 
did a questionnaire on um, Filipino, like what, 1.5 generation? Is that what it would be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 1.5 generational Filipino Canadians um, took a questionnaire, looked at their result responses, and then also asked a lot of them to do interviews with her to try to um, find patterns in their responses to different kinds of questions. And there was like a whole detailed methodology and what kind of questions to ask. But what you found was, um, yeah, that one made a motivation for like a common theme was to communicate with parents and older generations. So what kind of other uh, big themes did you find? Big themes. Okay. Um, scrolling through my own paper because I need to refresh. <laughs> um, but also, um, I should say and clarify that I was kind of trying to do like a between group study. So um, in my analysis and in my, um, like just looking at interpreting all of the data, it was in all of my participants, it was a mix of second generation and 1.5 generation Philippine Canadians. And what that distinction is, is basically people who are born in Canada or um, born in the Philippines and then raised in Canada. So like they immigrated essentially at an early age. And I think the age range was like, from a baby baby so from like one year old all the way up to 10 years old so Mm. yeah so that was like their age of immigration to Canada and um yeah I think the main distinction well yeah to like spoil the whole thing like there isn't very much of a difference between the groups is what I found because um the only thing that was distinguishing the 1.5 generation is the very fact that they had to move to Canada. But then in that, there was kind of a transition period that some people mentioned um, that was like in about a year, they had fully acclimated, fully assimilated into using English full time. Some people had either learned English fully um, as in they didn't know it before coming here. Some people did know it. And then um, they kind of just had to get more used to using it full time rather than like switching in and out of it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that was the main finding for the between group stuff. Um, Actually, no, there's also another one in terms of like people who are born here and then um, when they're visiting the Philippines, there is, um, there were a number of people who had just mentioned that they noticed how they were being seen and perceived as a foreigner. So like, even Mm. though you're like Filipino, like even though you're like raised to Filipino parents in a Filipino family, Mm -hmm. like some people are just like, yeah, once you start speaking or like just how you look even just shows that like you're not from the Philippines at all. And like people, um, people really buy into that and treat you as such. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's super weird. Um, I, I think, how how interested would you be in like, a possible future research that looks at, for example, people who come from like Canada or come from, well, I say from the states because I'm from the states, but mm-hmm. like com- coming from like uh, North America at least, and then, um, I guess moving to the Philippines. Like, do you think like? How do you think that research is going to look like? Do you think it's going to be any different than what you found? In terms of language use? hmm And, like, kind of just, like, observing every other thing. As in, like, if I were to be observing, like, 1.5 generation, but then instead of 
being born in the Philippines. Okay, I see. I see. Yeah. Um. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I'd definitely be interested in studying that, but mm-hmm. I don't know how frequent or like I don't know if that's a thing that people yeah. do as often. You know. It doesn't. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about like the opposite of what you were looking at and okay. seeing like how that. How, how different that would be or right. what would that look like yeah um, and then i'm thinking about like logistics and sample sizes like i don't know yeah. how many people you'd be able to get for that I, yeah i think yeah i think it's always like the other way around where people start to come to like north america um and not so much people um going to like the philippines i guess at a young age maybe but yeah i don't know um i guess okay that I, I guess that kind of feeds on to my next question where we talk about like oh well we had previously talked about like getting in touch with like older generations as like a key reason why you started to learn more about um tagalog right? mm-hmm. so my next question was something along the lines of like as generations pass languages that are not practiced are less likely to progress or sorry, are not practiced, are less likely to progress to the next generation. So I guess these are just like personal questions for you. Sure. Um, but uh, do you, f- or does your family, I guess, communicate with each other purely in Tagalog or in like their native dialects? And can you understand the native dialect? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I I guess I have to go into like my personal history with my own languages. And I actually also had to do that in my paper. Like there's a whole page being like, mm-hmm. um, as the experimenter, I'm like s- extremely biased because I'm a part of the population I'm studying. So I kind of did a whole like page of disclaimer being like, this is my background. But um, essentially, both of my parents are from the same hometown. So in the Bicol region, there's a very small town called Owas in Albay and both of them are from there both of their families like they grew up maybe like five ten minutes from each other mm-hmm. so um yeah and because of that um they speak Owasnan um and that I I'm hesitating to say that it's like a dialect of Beagle but um mm. I think they think of it as like their distinct own language and yeah, I mean, I guess it is a dialect of Bicol because Bicol is one of um, like the official regional dialects that are recognized by the government. But then there's a lot of variation when you're in the region. Um, and yeah, that's a bit of a tangent, but um, they basically speak Awasnan at home. They speak it with all of their siblings, um, no matter where they are. But um, a lot of my mom's side of the family is also here. So I do hear Awasnan a lot. And um, I think I do understand it. Um, A lot of the times I think I'm getting like the gist of things. And especially if I'm reading the group chats, that's hard for me to get through. Mm -hmm. Because um, like a big thing about Wasnan is that it's pretty much just an oral language. There's no one way to be typing things out. And they kind of just type things out because they're not in the same room, you know? So it's kind of just like out of necessity they're spelling things and then like none of their spellings are the same uh okay yeah so like there's no um standardized way to write or read <laughs> in it you're kind of just like guessing as you're going <laughs> and that makes it really hard for me personally to be learning it 
So um, mm -hmm. I'm not as fluent in Westin, but I do hear it a lot. And I do like to think that I understand it a fair bit. But yeah, I ended up being a lot more fluent in Tagalog. I have a quick uh, linguistic clarification here. Sure. So, you know, this is some, so what's the difference between a dialect and a language? Sure. All right, guys, I have to step away for a bit. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. So, um, linguistics 100. Yeah, um, I remember learning this, but. Yeah, just, so there's, do you remember the term mutual intelligibility? I remember the term, <laughs> but I don't remember what it means. Blanking. Um, yeah, so it's essentially like take two languages, for example, English and Filipino, right? Mm -hmm. They're not mutually intelligible because if you're speaking, like say that you only knew the one language, right? Yeah. yeah. And like you're trying to have a conversation with right. another person in the other language. Right. They can't communicate because they don't understand each other. Right? Right, right. But then if you're taking like closely related languages, say um, Spanish and Portuguese, yeah. Those are a lot more closer together and then they might be able to get by with yeah. um, communicating with each other in their respective languages. Mm -hmm. So mutual intelligibility is basically like the relationship between the two languages and how much they overlap. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a pretty general way to describe it. So it's, that's kind yeah. of like, a, so it's, one, it's not like a, it's not like a binary thing. Like one, like two languages are usually like never like perfectly mutually exclusive or mm -hmm. I mean, like, like two languages could be like absolutely zero, but it's usually never the case where it's like absolutely like perfect, one hundred percent. Yeah, so I mean, that absolutely. Note, language is a spectrum. So. Yeah, language is a spectrum. So on that note, um, Ilocano and Tagalog are they dialects or languages? So yeah, once it gets into the Philippine languages, they're all distinct. Yeah, they're so actually they're not all distinct languages. Intelligible. They're not. Okay. Like you can speak in Ilocano and I will not understand you. Yeah. So yeah actually, did... that has happened. Like in when um, Jackie and I were abroad, Jackie would start speaking in Ilocano and I didn't understand anything. Yeah. So how? Why, why is it? Do you know why the case it is, or, or like why we refer to them as dialects and not languages? Mm -hmm. Because when they were um, putting it in the books, like the, in the official books. Like when the colonizers were describing this, they used the word dialect instead. Oh. So it's just like, it's just like grammatical things and like historical errors and things. But yeah, they're colloquially known as dialects. But um, yeah, Perfect. if you're looking at the official linguistics and everything like Definition that, they're actually distinct. Languages. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think that that could be uh, changeable in the future? Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. There's a there's already a lot of debate being like how many um actual languages are there and there's like a really big range. I think it ranges mm -hmm. from like 75 to 200. Wow. Like languages around the world. Languages around the Philippines. Oh, in the Philippines. Because <laughs> 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 yeah. that's yeah. Wow. And like I it know. makes sense if you think about it because like Philippines is just thousands of islands. Mm. Right? Yeah. Right. Everyone yeah. had their own they made their own thing. Exactly. Yeah. How how beneficial do you think it would be for us to keep like a one like sort of language that is like uh like you know like uh shoot, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But like, like for example, like what we're saying with like Tagalog, right? Like as mm -hmm. being like the most common commonly spoken language in the Philippines, like how beneficial do you think that would be as opposed to just having like multiple languages throughout the entire country? 
Yeah. Um, this actually brings up the entire reason of why they made the Tagalog, or not Tagalog, but why they made Filipino and why they made it um, key to have a national language. Um, that's like pretty much the question that they posed, but in the early 1900s. <laughs> so like, they basically were like, because the Philippines is a whole bunch of islands, but they're considered as one nation, then there has to be some way for everyone to be able to speak to each other. Because again, this like whole mutual intelligibility thing. Like if you're talking from someone from Mindanao and then um, they're trying to communicate to someone who's like speaking Ilocano only, like there's no way for them to communicate, but then it's weird because they're technically from the same country, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I think their whole motivation for having a national language is precisely that to um, preserve nationalism. Um, wow. But yeah, the con of the main con of that is that um, having Filipino be so widespread and um, having them promote that all the time makes it so that the rest of the Philippine languages that exist kind of get shoved off to the side and it's not the priority. Um, and then because of that, you're kind of seeing like language endangerment, even language extinction. Um, like you're seeing the diversity kind of lessen over the years. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a balance that we can keep between like having a common language that can be spoken um, and I guess stopping the extinction of other languages within the country? I think it's definitely possible. It's just really, really hard right. and really tricky to balance. And um, a lot of it is in like the government policies and how education is, um, is handled in the Philippines. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Good points. Good points. Cool. Yeah. Where does where does Taglish fall into here then? Ooh. Um, <laughs> let's go into it. Um, yeah, Taglish is for all the listeners who don't know, it's the portmanteau of Tagalog and English. So it's basically when people are mixing the two languages, um, kind of in the same sentences. Yep. Like if I switch into Tagalog, then yeah, that just happens in the conversation. <laughs> and then you kind of just keep going with it, right? Yeah, it's like, it's a normal thing to just yeah. flip between the two, just kind of, yeah. I also thought it was interesting, especially like reading, I don't know, I'm doing like in my cultural psych, there's framing and blending. So framing mm -hmm. is like when you switch between, like your, your like mind kind of just switches in between two different cultures. Right, where this is like blending, it's like it's supposed to like combine the two. But framing yeah, blending is kind more... of turns into like a Venn diagram thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I always yeah. thought that was cool, but yeah. Um, yeah, so Taglish is kind of like the Venn diagram version, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, like you're blending. absolutely blending the two. And I think it's, well, I kind of know that it's the direct product of um, having both Filipino and English as the national languages in the Philippines. So like, it's not just um, Filipino and actually English has been the national language for longer because colonization but this time from America so um yeah and like the whole history of English in the Philippines right like it was introduced in the 1900s um and it was kind of just set as the language of education so everyone was starting to learn in English and then it wasn't until like the 1920s, 1930s that they decided, oh, maybe we should have a language for the nation that isn't English, <laughs> that is like actually Filipino. Um, so yeah, like having all of that be the influences and then um, it's kind of 
I guess now in current society, it's kind of just evolved to why not both? <laughs> and oh, yeah. sorry, keep going. Oh, oh no, um, no, no, it's okay. Like, as far as I know, English, or sorry, Tagalog or Taglish is the only instance of that where they kind of switch like, interchangeably between the two languages. So I'm kind of wondering, like, what, I mean, yeah, I mean, you already touched on it a bit, but if there are other languages that kind of do that kind of thing, or if absolutely. it's a rare, oh, there are, okay. Yeah, absolutely. There's like Spanglish, Chinglish, there's a whole uh-huh. bunch, Conlish. <laughs> yeah, basically anything. It's kind of just like a mix, mix yeah, and match your own. <laughs> yeah, like English yeah. just falls mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just because of like the general dominance of English because it's so widespread around the world that yeah. everyone is kind of learning English kind of for the same reasons. And then because of that, you're kind of getting all of these hybrids as a result. I'm wondering if there's ever going to be a thing like Chinalog. <laughs> Chinalog? Are you sure? Right? Like there's no, I mean, mm. there might be, I don't know. But like, there's other things. I think there might be. I mean, like in the Philippines, there's um, definitely people of Chinese descent. So I know that they, there's no, um, I mean, I haven't looked into anything about their hybrids, but I do know that they speak like, what is it, Hokkien? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think I know what you're talking about. I had a friend uh, when I was going to Richmond Christian who, okay, this isn't actually what he spoke, but we said that he spoke like Phil Chai but that's just another like communication of two different languages. That's just like another Venn diagram thing. But right, um, yeah, for sure. I think it's just like a matter of like which two languages do you want to merge together, and then you merge them, and then just talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it was like a like a rec- like more recognized thing. Mm. Wait, what? Yeah, oh, I, don't, I don't know what he said either. Oh, okay. I thought it was um, a question, but it was super quiet. Okay, okay. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, know that you guys have to go in a little bit, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, but. Were there any last-minute things that we wanted to go over um, before wanna, we close out? If you want to try to elaborate on your last little point here, here let, let me uh, let me read it out. Let me read it out. Actually, no, I don't want to read it. <laughs> it's okay, I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it out. So this is from Lance's point. The English language has embedded itself in our Filipino culture. We spoke of how Filipino history has been influenced by language and by country. Like Spanish in the Philippines. English language, modern culture, America. While you and I sometimes overlook the effects of being born from Western culture, some individuals may find that speaking English can act like a gateway to the financial benefits and societal advantages of Western civilization. Maybe, I don't know where I was going with this, LOL. <laughs> yeah, I, I think to that point that I was trying to make, or the, I, w- I guess I was just writing on a piece of paper. Like, I was just like, all right, these are my thoughts. And I guess from what I heard from like relatives or just people in the Philippines um, that I communicate with, it seems like the, the mindset is uh, learn English because it can lead to opportunities for you in the future. 
Um, and I think that sometimes that can take away from, you know, just like the national heritage of just wanting to learn and stick with uh, your culture. Um, but I don't know, like, that, that's just what I hear from like relatives and all the kind of stuff that English is a must right now. Like you, you need to learn it um, so that you can prosper in the future kind of thing. So I guess yeah. I want to know what your thoughts are on individuals who say that, who say that um, they absolutely need to learn English because um, they need to prosper in this way and benefit. Um, yeah. In that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> so I think it's just, again, we were already talking about like how English is treated and perceived in the Philippines. And that's exactly how, like the way that English is still like the language of government, the language of journalism, still the language of education. Um, like they have English and Filipino classes, you know? So like they're kind of, um primed to be bilingual or multilingual already but then at the same time you're seeing like a preference for english for sure especially in the um the cities the big cities especially metro manila like you'll find people who are fully fluent in english and then realize that um they haven't actually learned tagalog until maybe later in your life than you expect even though they're like born and raised in the philippines right like i actually found that the last time I was in the Philippines, because I was actually there um, in February for wildly like a music, like my music program brought me to the Philippines for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And um, that meant that we were working in a university setting. Um, We were at the University of Philippines Diliman, shout out to my friends um, in Quezon City. And um, we were there for two weeks working with music students, dance students, all from that university. So um, yeah, I realized getting to know some of them that they were a lot more fluent and a lot more comfortable in English. Mm-hmm. And I think it really is just because of the way that it exists in institutions. Um, it just shows that it's the language of power and then therefore the language of progress because um, just shows that you're higher class, you know, that you're higher educated. And then like to know English at that level means that you're exactly that <laughs> and then mm. like you're able to get more opportunities and get that step ahead and um just like looking at kind of big factors of the philippines as well like it has one of the biggest immigration populations ever in the world mm-hmm. um yeah in canada it's one of the hugest immigration populations and it's been rising steadily for the past decade right mm-hmm. so um yeah, like because there's such a big immigrant population and because it actually is a push to immigrate outside of the Philippines, then they say that there's even more of a reason to learn English because if you're going to be outside of the Philippines, then chances are you're going to have to know English at a really good level. Hmm. So that's another reason why. So I think all of that kind of contributes to like, if you're looking at the language situation in the Philippines, there's kind of like a twofold dominance um, where like you have all of the Philippine languages and all of that ethno-linguistic diversity, but then it's kind of getting pushed down by the national language, the Galog Filipino, but then it's also getting pushed down by English even more. Hmm. So um, yeah, that's why the balance is so tricky. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's a huge thing, I think. 
that uh, I guess not a lot of people here realize mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, like I, I, I would have never realized that until I actually read your paper and, and actually saw it and just became a little bit more informed and now a little bit more educated. Um, yeah, cool. Cool, 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 yeah 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 um cool i i I thought it was so yeah like what you were saying um i feel a bit more informed now i i think like it's always been like a thought for me like should i learn tagalog should it is it my duty to learn tagalog as a filipino and i'm leaning towards yes now which is like yeah i mean yeah it just feels weird to not know it being like from kind of from there but also born here so i don't really know if i'm from there per se but it's and like something really good point yeah and i feel <laughs> like yeah i'm not the only like one I, I feel yeah. like i'm not the only one that thinks that so yeah i don't know it just it just i'm gonna learn tagalog mm-hmm. and i should say like you brought up like the duty of learning yeah. it i don't think there necessarily has to be like a duty to learn a certain language just for like these benefits, however many there are, like if you don't feel inclined to learn it, there's definitely other ways to connect to the culture, right? Like language mm-hmm. is not the only way to connect to your culture and to like find yourself and your self-identity, um, especially as like people who are in between two cultures growing up in Canada, right? Or like growing up in North America or in Western societies in general, Western, yeah. right? Yeah, so um, yeah, it's not it's not a duty. You don't mm-hmm. have to, but then, um, yeah, if you want to, then by all means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess, okay, to that, like, what other things do you think, um, or what other ways do you think people who may or may not come from, like, Filipino background, how else do you think they could be immersed in their culture if they don't want to, for example, learn the language or if they just, Yeah don't mm-hmm. want to learn the language what are the uh, what are the other opportunities that they can have to I guess learn about the culture more get to know the people hmm. right like and I guess that's one of the trade-offs of knowing English especially for people in the Philippines or like people from the Philippines right like because they know English even though you don't know the languages you're still able to communicate with them mm-hmm. right so like talk about their stories get to know them and as always like there's always the gateways right there's always food there's oh, always the traditions yes. you know everything really, like yes. that there's art <laughs> oh don't do that <laughs> chocolate <laughs> yeah oh. chocolate soup. <laughs> anyone all the viewers that don't know a dinner guan it's chocolate soup oh really? gosh yeah <laughs> Ooh, um. all of our faces right now <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Makes me, okay, this actually, like, this will, this will be my last point, but uh, the one person that comes into mind when you think about, when I think about uh, someone who isn't necessarily Filipino, but has, I guess, immersed themselves in the Filipino culture is um, Damien McCracken. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Damien, this is your one opportunity to listen to this podcast because I called you out. Um, so Damien McCracken is not Filipino, 
you can decide what to say the least what he is <laughs> in your head but he's not filipino but he has been in i guess uh just being around like friend groups and all that kind of stuff that are predominantly filipino he's been immersed in the culture and like sort of those gateway opportunities that you were saying like food um just talking to people that are filipino um i think he's learned a lot about our culture in that way and i think people can be informed um like he was just by getting to know like the people and just i guess the food especially the food especially the food um but oh my god yeah yeah, yeah he loves it yeah he oh my gosh yeah so, uh, that's a whole different podcast right there talking yeah. about damien well yeah for, for caffeine <laughs> i guess yeah he's just a non he he went to no, I know. class. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got you. Like, I know of him. It's oh, okay. It's the same do? way oh, I knew okay. of Lance. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Overall, great guy. Mm-hmm. I think. I maybe. Damien, if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Damien. I, yeah, I guess I miss you All too. Right. <laughs> I guess. I'm just kidding. But yes. Anyways, thank you, Kathleen, um, for just being our guest here. This, you're like our first guest. Um, on this podcast and i think you just made our brains a little bit bigger today um yes i pushed yeah. the agenda of big brain in the bio big brain. Yes. Yes. thank you so much for having me of course of course you're invited anytime at this point like you can join at any time yeah yeah literally awesome. like like every, yeah we'll just send you a link and just get ready you know <laughs> oh my god i'll be in bed <laughs> thanks guys of course how do we how do we wrap up how do we are we doing that i don't okay. know i don't know we just cut it but i don't know if we'll leave this in. all right but yeah goodbye bye guys bye guys <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh.